And our scripture reading is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 to 10. Then we'll read 17 to 19. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Shall we hear the word of God? I'm reading from the New King James Version. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with this we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, from which drown men into distraction and perdition. Verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Verses 17 to 19. Command those who are rich in the present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they, that they be rich in good works, ready to give willingly to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 to 9. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleases, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Verse 7, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good everyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And you, masters, do the same things, uh, do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master is in heaven and there is no partiality with him. Here ends the reading of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So this morning, we are blessed to hear from our own senior pastor-elect, Reverend Washington Komla Dake. And uh, I want us to just be ready to expect the voice of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This morning, I'll be speaking to us very briefly on honoring God with our giving and our work. Honoring God with our giving and our work. We have read three passages, two from 1 Timothy chapter 6 and the other from Ephesians chapter 6. Beloved, there is nothing that we have that we do not receive. Everything we have, we did receive them. Life, health, energy, Money, the work you do, the clothes you wear, the house you live in, everything you have, you received them. And what best 
for us to do than to use them in a way that is honoring to the one from whom we collected them or we, we got them. Hallelujah. And we have, over the past weeks, looked at how we can honor God with our lives, honor God with our family, honor God with our marriages, our children. Today we are looking at how to honor God with our money, with our wealth, and also with our work. Amen. I'll be speaking to us on five things very quickly. The first one is honor God through godliness. The Bible says in verse 6 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. And many have understood that passage to mean that little is much when God is in it. And it is better to have little with God than to have a lot more with wickedness or without God. True, that is fine, but there is more to it than that. Godliness with contentment. We need to understand that godliness is the key. In order to be content, you must be godly. It is godliness that in and of itself produces contentment. There is contentment that is produced by the godly lives we live and the way we obey God, the way we revere God, the way we understand God, the way we live according to God's directions. Fearing God is not a matter of being in trepidation and trembling and shivering. No, it is in delighting in God's word. Psalm 112 verse 1. Let's quickly look at Psalm 112 verse 1. It tells it clearly. It talks about those who fear the Lord. Then quickly, for the avoidance of doubt, he gives us another verse or another set of uh, sentence that explains what he meant by fearing God. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Your fear of God is seen in how much you delight in the commandment of God. That is what tells how much we fear him. Amen? So, godliness is living according to God's word. And when we do that, we find contentment. So, contentment is not in view when you don't live a godly life. You can amass all the money in this world. Have all the positions you can get have all the titles. Wear all the gowns I'm, like I'm wearing. Wear the gowns. And have a hat on top of it. Professoria, you know, the higher you go, the funnier the hat. First degree, the hat is okay. Second degree, the hat. Third degree, by the time you get your doctorate, when you look at the hat, you say, ah, what is this? You get the professorship, the hat is funnier. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so you can gather all that, but without godliness, you will not be content. And I have seen many, many people like that. Hallelujah. And so without that, you cannot have contentment. And if there is no contentment in your life, there is no gain. You will count, everything will be meaningless to you, useless to you. 
And if there is no gain, how can you say there is great gain? Because verse 6 says that godliness with contentment is great gain. And you don't even have gain, let alone great one. Hallelujah. Church, it is important for us to understand that great gain is for us to joy, celebrate, be happy in whatever wealth, resources, riches God has blessed us with regardless of the amount. To be joyful in it regardless of the amount. Whether you have billions or you have trillions or you have hundreds or you have tens, great gain is your ability to be joyful in what you have regardless of the quantity. Amen? Because many are those who do not have great gain and live a life in plenty, yet they are full of stress. Because the money came to them without godliness. They embezzled, they stole, through fraudulent means, they did all kinds of things without God. They gambled, and some borrow and borrow and borrow. Great gain is a stress-free life. It gives you invaluable rest. Hallelujah. Invaluable rest in your heart and in your mind and in all your relationships with people. That is great gain. There is nothing more valuable in this life than to be able to freely and open-heartedly relate to one another without reservation. It is those relationships that is great gain. Because based on those relationships, you are able to leverage so many things. You should be able to come to a stage in your life where at a phone call, because of relationships, you are available to be of support to somebody or the other. Without any, any shadow in your mind or in your heart. Hallelujah. The Bible says that for with food and clothing, we should be content. And many people think that, oh, okay, yeah, that, what it means is that all you need is food and clothing. Okay, fine. It is really not about food and clothing. It's really about the meeting of our needs. When your needs are met, the meeting of needs is different from meeting of your wants and your desires. For it says that there are many who are desirous of wealth and money, and because of their desire for money and their want for money, they have pierced themselves with many troubles. So it is not really what you need the money for. That is the issue. I need one million CDs. Is it one million for one thing's sake? So that I can keep it in my... I didn't say anything, no. I didn't say anything, please. I can keep the billions in my somewhere. Is that what it is? 
or you are looking for that one million because there is an orphanage somewhere that people are there and it is difficult for them to find food to eat. So you want to support them. There is a pastor out there that needs a certain support for his ministry to continue. There are people out there who need a church to fellowship in. Is that why we are looking for the money? Are we looking for the money to finish our church building? Are we looking for the money to be able to meet the needs that we have in our church? Are we looking for the money to be able to take care of our loved ones, our, our family members, our relations, our relatives who are in need? For when we have what we need, we should be content. Amen? What is genuinely meeting our needs? For church, whether you like it or not, you and I, I watched a video recently. Gentleman, he should be in his mid-30s, at best, late-30s. And he's built a house. And the bed in the bedroom can take 16 people. 16 people can sleep in that bed without stress. And he, in the house, he has eight of such bedrooms. Eight of such bedrooms in the house. He has a number of kitchens. And when he was introducing the, pers the, tour, the person he was taking on tour of the house to the kitchen, the person saw the first kitchen and said, wow, what a great kitchen. He said, no, this is, that, this is just the, the, this is the beginning of the kitchens. There is a lot somewhere. So he took him to the other places and he saw the other kitchens and saw the other things in the house. And the man asked him, did you build this place to live here? He said yes. He built here to live in that house with his wife and children. What was his target? Eight children. He has two. And divorced. So the children and their mother does not live in the house. He himself doesn't live in the house. And the house is there. And he tells the gentleman that he has regretted building that house. I said in my mind, you have more than regretted. <laughs> Amen. People are looking for money to use for something. You are, used to, you are using it for that one. <laughs> Hallelujah. My friend in Nigeria will say, money miss road. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's what some people... But we, when you die, and when he dies, he's not going anywhere with any of those. And we are going nowhere with anything. We are leaving them here. Amen? So all the clothes you have bought and piled in your wardrobe, which for the past three, four, five years, there are some you have never worn. You have never worn. And by the time you open that wardrobe, the clothes are pushing you to the ground. 
that you still buy, keep buying. But there are people who are looking for it. Who will be grateful to God. The other day, a gentleman came to me and said, his pay has delayed for three months. And so, if I can help him, I looked at him and I felt so much compassion. I asked him, how much is your pay per month? You can't guess. You can't guess. 200 Ghana. Per month. 200 Ghana. It has delayed for three months. He has a wife and children. He pays water bill, light bill, rent. The children go to school. I, I dipped my hand in my pocket. What was there was 200. I gave the 200 Ghana to him. The man knelt down. I had to hold him to get up. He knelt down and held my legs, thanking me, and I felt so bad. So later on, I had to find him and top up for the rest for him. Hallelujah. There are people who are needy. They are needy. And we need to be of help to them. For when we die, we are living here with nothing. And in fact, in heaven, we don't use the things we are are packing here. We don't need it in heaven. So if you are packing it, I don't know where you are taking it to. Heaven, it will not be needed. And I know you are not going to hell. Because hell too, that it will not, even if you were going, that thing will not survive there. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the best place is to use it here and give it out. Hallelujah. You came with nothing. So let's honor God with, with our godliness. And by so doing, Friends, you and I will be blessed. Number two, quickly, we should honor God by avoiding the love of money. By avoiding the love of money. Money is not evil. I believe you know that already. It's not evil. But the, the, the evil in it is the love of money. The love of money, the craving for money, the greed for money, the insatiable desire to get it no matter what and at whatever cost. Love of money is not godliness. Because you are just grabbing to satisfy your greed. It is not for any proper use. And the Bible says that many have done this and has led them to foolish and harmful lust, leading into destruction. May God deliver us from that in the name of Jesus. May God deliver every member of our church and our churches that we will not stray from the faith because of greed. Praise the Lord. We will not stray. We will not stray. We will not stray. You will not stray. In the name of Jesus, you will not stray. So we avoid the love of money because it brings sorrows, untold sorrows. Whilst godliness 
is bringing you contentment and great gain. Love of money is bringing untold sorrows. Hallelujah. Let us honor God, therefore, by avoiding the love of money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every little opportunity to grab money, wherever there is a little scent of money, you are there. Wherever there is a little, you can't even let go any little opportunity at all. And you know that this opportunity has traps, snares, problems surrounding it. And all you are thinking about is the end. Let's get it. That means by the time you finish getting it, that means we'll catch up with you. Hallelujah. May God deliver us. And it looks nice. When you are thinking about grabbing it, grabbing it, grab, and I have seen too many of that. People get the money. And at the end, when they finish building the house, they cannot live in it. Their family members can't live in the house. There is a case I can speak to right now. A great-grandfather went for that. And until now, every there are three, four, five people in the lineage who walk about with madness. Walk about with madness because somebody went for money with greed from the devil. May God have mercy on us. Hallelujah. As a young man I met some years ago who told me that she spoke gone. I just looked at him. Money is good. Every means you can use to get it, use it. I just looked at him. Then finally, he went for Sakawa. And he did not live to enjoy the money. Praise the Lord. Number three, let us avoid arrogance. Let's avoid arrogance. The Bible says that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty but, and not to trust in uncertain riches. The little money you have, so we should carry you high on your shoulders. When you cough, we should be quiet. When you sneeze, we should catch cold. Because you have money, immediately you step around, we should clean your feet for you. And whatever you say is right. Whether you are wrong or not, when you have money, whatever you say, you, you, you must be obeyed. No, we, we shouldn't get to that. Hallelujah. The Bible calls it uncertain riches. Today it is there. Tomorrow, even you who are holding the money, today you are there, tomorrow you are gone. How much more the money? It's uncertain. Hallelujah. So there's no point in being arrogant, being proud, being, being haughty. And the apostle was telling Timothy that, don't, he didn't say entreat them or plead with them not to be proud. 
He says, command. Command. Command them. If it were possible, hold them and compel them. Not to be proud. Emphasize it. It is a command. Hallelujah. That we should not be arrogant. But we should trust in the living God. The God who is alive. Who gives us richly all things to enjoy. We should trust in him. I don't know what you think. But I want to believe with with you here. That your trust is in the living God. He gives all things to enjoy. Everything, all things. All things. God is the one who is going to give you the money to enjoy. The health to enjoy. The business to enjoy. The work to enjoy. Whatever you need, he will give us to enjoy. He'll give it to you. Praise the Lord. So we should trust in him. And by so doing, we honor our God. Number five, which is the last point, is that by being rich in good works, by being rich in good works, by being rich in good works, he says that he should command them to be rich in good works. Being rich in good works, you see, you do good works without expecting the one to whom you have done the good work to return a favor back to you. That is being rich in good works. Being rich in good works means that you do it in the morning, you do it in the afternoon, you do it in the evening, you do it to the great, you do it to the small, you do it to the needy, you do it to the one who is not in need, you do, you do it to the left, you do it to the right, you do it to the pastor, you do it to the church member, you do it to the orphan, you do it to whoever, the widow, you do it, you don't restrict yourself that as for me, my richness in good works is only one directional. No. If you are rich in something, you are diverse in dissipating or using it or distributing it. If I should use those words. Distribute it all over. Cast your bread upon the waters. Some schoolboys said that some fish will eat it. Cast your bread upon the waters. You will find it in many days. Amen. Even if the fish eat it, you still catch the fish. Hallelujah. But key for me is that you don't do this thing with the intention of, oh, because I have done this for you, you owe me. No. Praise the Lord. And be ready to give. Ready to give. And be willing to share. And he says that whilst we are doing that, we store a good foundation for eternity. What it means is that you secure a reward from the Lord. You are storing a foundation. Foundations secure things. You are securing a reward from the Lord when we enter into eternity. It is not giving you salvation. It is not giving you eternal life. But you are securing a reward from God. When we enter into eternity, because of the truth, if you are born again and you are a child of God, going into eternity with him is guaranteed. But then when we get there, there are others who will be rewarded. Some will be given bigger rewards, others smaller ones. But in doing this and being rich in good works, we secure a reward for ourselves. Hallelujah. It is as if 
there is a certain project you are doing and you are outside the country and doing a project in Ghana, you think that by the time I get to Accra or Ghana in three years' time, that project should be finished. So I send money ahead of me for the completion of the project in Ghana. And your own project and things in the heavens, it is here on earth that once we are here, you need to be sending the materials, sending the building materials, sending the items, sending the things to secure your reward by the giving of the monies and the wealth that we have that God has blessed us with. We give and by so doing, we secure for ourselves a sure foundation of reward in eternity. Hallelujah. So you are here and you have money. And for one reason or the other, you are keeping it because you have a problem with pastor. Question. Are, are you sure you are securing a reward for yourself? The other day when you gave money to sister X, she disrespected you. So because of that, sister Y is in need and you have learned from your past experience. And when you gave a shirt to brothers also and so, he used it wrongly and the shirt now has become so dirty. What is your business of sending an animal to the altar and still holding the tail or the leg? You have sent this animal to the altar for sacrifice and you are still holding the leg. Don't sacrifice, it is mine. Who told you that? When you have given the thing out, you have given it out. It is for the person. Let the person use it. If he misuses it, it is between him and God. Hallelujah. So why do you destroy your own reward by being grumbling and annoyed because a certain pastor, a certain deacon, a certain boy, a certain girl has misused a certain gift you have given with your own attitude of grumbling and all that. You are destroying the seeds you have sown. I vow to myself, I will never do a thing like that. You two don't do it. Praise the Lord. The last point quickly is that we should obey our bosses as unto the Lord. Obey your boss as if it is Christ you are obeying. You don't like what he has done. You don't like the instruction he has given you don't like, but it's Jesus. He says that we should serve him as born servants who are under obligation to serve and to obey commands. If you are a born servant, you are a born servant. The word is born servant. Born servant. You serve as a slave. You just serve. You are under obligation. So I want to encourage us to be that way. Do our duties, comply with our job description. What it says we should do, let us do it. And do it with fear and trembling. In this case, not only by obeying, but fear that when I fail, I will incur just reward. If I say punishment, you say you don't like the word. So I'm using reward. <laughs> <laughs> whether reward or punishment is still punishment and do it with sincerity and we are doing it not as men pleasers 
when your boss is there, you're all nice. You're all nice. You're, oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. When he goes, it's red. <laughs> then you, you, you. And you see, there are, I, I met business owners who said that they don't like engaging Ghanaians. Let alone Christians. They prefer to engage Lebanese, Indians, Chinese, because they are so hardworking and so committed. And the Ghanaians are so ingenious, or is it disingenuous, to, make your, to, to, to run your business down. They have so many crafty ways to do things to run your business down. And for the Krefer brothers and sisters, he enters the office, sits down, he takes the Bible. It is in the office from 8 a.m. getting to 10. That is now time to do devotion. Read the Bible, do the devotion, spend some time in Cabros, Abakaz, Ikataya, and finish the prayer. Then sit down, look at the work that he has to do, go to Facebook. Facebook for some time. Go to YouTube. YouTube for some time. Go to Instagram. Finish with Instagram. Go to Ghana Web. Browse the WhatsApp. Go through WhatsApp. Send a few WhatsApp responses. Then all of a sudden, it's 12 o'clock. He's going for lunch. He goes for lunch. He is, he, he, you know, they go for lunch like a big man's lunch. So from 12 o'clock, they finish eating and sit down and gist till about 2. And then when he returns at 2, he sits at the desk, look in the fire, look at the computer a little. Then he remembers that Amma is in the next office. He's going to visit Amma and have a conversation with Adwa. On his way coming, he has met Kwame on the way. They shake hands and converse a little. Then by the time he checks, it is four o'clock. If he's a lady, he has to polish his face. And get ready to go to the house. By five o'clock, bam! He comes to tell me that Onupa, Kaslepwa. Even the flagstaff have they have closed. You this small work they have given to you. In this small office, even the Flagstaff house, the one who is managing the economy, has closed already, he's gone home. You are still here. I am going. So he's gone. A man of God told me a story. Somebody left his office to go and visit another person. And then while he was there, he met the person's boss. And then the boss said, Oh, how are you? He said, well, I'm fine. How is your office? He said, well, office is fine. He said, oh, okay. He said, oh, but the office is fine, but things are not working well. Then the big man in the other office said, how can things work well when you are able to find time and leave your office to come to my office to come and visit my staff? He said, from there on, he decided that you never go and visit that girl again. Hallelujah, church. How do you work? You are a pastor, Brother Hausler, you are being roped. 
It's not a matter of wearing a big coat and a big gown and a collar. But you have work to do as a born servant. Hallelujah. You have work to do as a born servant. And you have to do that work as to Christ. As if Jesus Christ is your supervisor. Amen? So, if he is your supervisor, to whom when you finish doing the work, you will send it for review. You will send it for approval. You will send it for signature. That is the mind we should have when we are doing our work. Hallelujah. And work with all your heart. So that on the day of his coming, you, Reverend Hoslak before, will receive a rich welcome in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That is how we should work. That is how we should work. I had a boss who anytime you present a paper to him, the first time he did it to me, I said, wow. Since then, I also started doing it to my staff. When you present the paper to him, he looks at it, then looks at you. Then he asks you, is this the best of your, the best version of yourself? Is this what you want me to know you for? That when I read this, I have formed an impression that this is you. The first day he asked me that question, I said, Sir, you give the thing back to me. <laughs> because I don't want him to form a negative impression that this guy is full of errors and mistakes and problems. Amen? And since then, I finished the thing, I give it to him. For a number of them, he picks it straight to the board meeting. He picks it straight to the board meeting because he has put a system that causes me to dig into myself for the best. Hallelujah. And the same thing I do to people. When you bring the document, I look at it and say, is this your best version? And most of the time, they'll say, sir, you give it to me for the meantime. Hallelujah, church. When we are working for God, preparing our sermons, getting things done, let's ask ourselves, Jesus is the supervisor. He's the one going to sign. Is this the best we can give him? Praise God. God bless you, church. Hallelujah. I think it's a good time to celebrate the Lord for the life of our senior pastor elect.